everyone, and welcome to Pops and Hisses, a music podcast where you hear from the artists you love. I'm your host, Kevin Coffey, and in this episode, we have Graham Wright of indie rock band Tokyo Police Club. I first came to know the Canadian rock band when they released Elephant Shell on Saddle Creek Records, an indie rock label that's based in my hometown of Omaha. Uh, but they made their biggest waves when they released Champ in 2010. It was nominated for a Juno Award for Album of the Year and was met with great reviews. Now Tokyo Police Club is out on the road playing the album in its entirety for a 10th anniversary celebration. Yes, if you do simple math, you know that they are a year late, but the band originally planned a tour for 2020 and it had to be scheduled for 2021. Anyway, Graham was nice enough to talk about all things Champ, including how the album was made, how it was received, and what it's like to look back on the album now. Real quick, I want to remind you, you can listen to the Pops and Hisses podcast and find music news, reviews, and interviews at popsandhisses.com. But right now, it's time for Graham Wright from Tokyo Police Club. Let's get into it. It'll be really cool to have you guys in Omaha. Um, Obviously, a lot of people know you guys around here for quite a long time. Yeah, we were we were a Saddle Creek band for for a memorable, beautiful album. Yep. So I feel like that's we have a much more of a, a affinity and connection with Omaha than I might have ever expected before I was in band. <laughs> right. Uh, when's the last time you guys have been here? I think it's been a little bit. It's been like a long bit. I think we must have come through in, in 16, I want to say. That's the last time it feels like. That was the last time we did a big giant tour that, that went across the country all in one go. And often, you know, as I'm sure I don't have to tell you, when bands do sort of like, we'll East Coast run and we'll do a West Coast run, uh, Omaha sometimes gets passed over because it is it's right. not quite not quite fish nor fowl. <laughs> But, yeah, unless um, you're doing the cross country uh, deal, there's not necessarily a reason to drive through Chicago, Omaha, Kansas City, Denver. <laughs> exactly, and indeed, there are, are many reasons why not to uh, when it comes to the length of time you have to spend looking exactly. at the window at corn. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, I mean it's also, especially having been deprived of the opportunity to look at the window of a van at anything for the last two years. Uh, that's part of touring, you know, I, I, yeah. I, we have tried to optimize tour in the past and it's, it, you can't do it. You know, it's, a, it's, shaggy. it's necessarily shaggy. And I think that the long stretches and, and the days of just driving for 12 hours straight, getting hypnotized by the highway are as important to the overall vibe of being on tour as the, you know, the sold out gigs and the parties. Right. Well, it's part of the experience of the band, uh, but you know, you spend that much time together with your bandmates that forms a bond that goes, you know, is a part of making music and playing shows and doing all that stuff. Oh, ab- exactly. Absolutely. It all goes into the, the tank, you know, everything that happens to you is, is part of the, part of the engine that, that makes the songs and everything. So it's, but also, I mean, I don't mean to talk about Omaha. Like it's some far flung, you know, <laughs> We're, we're not going to Mars here. You've got an incredible venue. You've got an incredible scene. Uh, you've got Saddle Creek Records, for Christ's sake. So you're, you're doing all right. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great place to play uh, Slow Down because, well, people in the music industry in from Saddle Creek built the venue, so they know what bands will want to have on tour. So there's nice, spacious rooms and washing machines. and. <laughs> all oh, yeah. It's like... It's in the calendar with like a big star around it. As like, okay, you know, you got to know like nobody has washing machines, and I simply do not own thirty-seven 
seven pairs of socks and underwear. <laughs> exactly. You got to know where the laundry is. Yeah. These are the things that keep the tour running. You know, you get up on stage wearing dirty socks, you're you're damned before you start. <laughs> right. Well, Omaha is happy to do its part for the Tokyo Police Club tour. It always has. So you guys, um, yeah. So you, you mentioned being off for two years, and then now uh, this tenth anniversary thing just seemed to line up well. Was that uh, which I I I guess technically would have been last year. So were you guys planning this for last year at first? Yes, we were weeks away from announcing the tour when, you know, when things, it became very clear that no one would be touring in the immediate future. So luckily, because we had a similar thing where we had announced UK dates and then we had to move them publicly like four times before we had to cancel them all together. And that's just, I mean, not, people obviously understand about that stuff right now, but it's been bags to constantly be posting new photoshops of tour dates. So this, <laughs> yeah. one, this one, luckily for us, we moved it four times, but it was always, you know, behind the scenes and only we had to know about it. And we, I mean, kind of to, to, still to my shock, it's happening now, which is the, the initially announced dates. So yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about <laughs> really that. happening. At least you guys didn't get to, and I know a few bands that did this. The, we printed up merch specifically for this tour um, mm-hmm. thing, and then oh, now we don't have a tour. Yeah, that's um, that's. Uh, we talked about doing it especially for this tour because it's like, oh, it's the champ thing, you know. Maybe but we've never <laughs> yeah. done a shirt with dates on it before, and I, I'm glad that we didn't quite get to that. Because <laughs> yeah, right. We'd have we, we'd have a lot of obsolete shirts right now. Well, it's exciting to finally get these uh, dates out here. So are you guys even all the more excited to to play the record? Yeah, we're, yeah, it absolutely feels, you know, like we've been now metaphorically cooped up in a car for, you know, a four day road trip and we finally get to go sprinting out the door and, and, and <laughs> frolic in the field. Yeah. Um, it's just, and we've done, you know, we've done a few gigs around here in Toronto uh outdoor sort of you know all the, the covid regulation stuff over the summer mm-hmm. and they were obviously it was incredibly fun to do those but touring is just it nothing is is like it you know going to going from place to place being in a new city every day like i said being in the van all day long driving and getting there and loading in and the routine and, and the way that you really get into like a very specific groove that i've never found anywhere else in life is this is the, the best thing, you know, and I, I can't, I can't wait. I mean, I'm trepidatious just because I'm so rusty, like getting back on the bike after all this time. Hey, yeah. oh, God. But I'm sure like three, four days into this, we're going to be cooking. Yeah. So Omaha, is well, Omaha is well situated. We should be like just hitting our stride when we get there. Oh, perfect. That's the best. The first, and I'm not saying this about you guys, the first dates of, of the tour are always, you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> How's the band feeling? Well, they're all, I mean, I think this is something that you know, if you're a regular concert go, people should focus a little more on like, where in the tour is this gig? Because the first <laughs> you know, week of the tour is really exciting. You know, the band is still cohering. You see there's more chance of fucking up. And, and you know, when there's a chance of messing up on stage, you're, it's a little more exciting, you know, like it's it a little is. more yeah, edgy. And then you get into the groove in the middle where you're just like, really good really feeling it the novelty hasn't worn off yet and that's you know like that will be in omaha and that's probably 
That's awesome. That's really, that's really exciting because all of a sudden you're up there and you start to realize, oh, I'm really good at walking on this tightrope now. I can start to like do some tricks. I can start to showboat <laughs> a little as well as play the song. Yeah. And then by the end of the tour, you have lost your mind completely. After the third week, everyone just gets like clicks into tour mode completely. Like you become more tour than man. Uh, and then that's a really exciting time to see bands because they're just like, they're only a band. You know, their humanity is, is now yeah. secondary. So dialed in. All of the times are good to see a band, but I feel like, you know, check the tour dates and see where you fall in it and then watch how that's a little different. I think it's a really fascinating area of study, at least for me. I think about it all the time because I've been writing around music here for, I mean, 15 years. So, uh, but you know, I've seen, I've seen all bands in all states. The last date of the tour is always fun too because usually everyone's tired, they're screwing around. <laughs> Yeah, that's always. I remember, like, we did. We were in musical theater in high school, and we, you know, so we did all the shows. And it was always like, well, the, the last show of any, you know, run of a of a play or a musical is is the most fun for the performers, and also probably the one you don't want to go to as the audience because, like, <laughs> they're going to be pranking each other and screwing around. And if yeah. you like the show. You're, you might not see as much of it. You know, if, you, if I go see Les Mis, I'm going to take that really seriously. But if someone has been performing Les Mis eight times a week for seven weeks by the last show, they're not going to take, have as much reverence for it. as <laughs> right. I have. Right. And that, whether that's the, the great musical Les Miserables or the seminal Tokyo Police Club Indie Rock album chant performed front to back live, uh, it, it, it's consistent. <laughs> Definitely. So yeah, I was going to ask you guys are playing the whole record and then uh, are you playing some of the, the now released uh, tracks like top five and stuff? We'll have to see. Uh, we haven't, we're getting together tomorrow. Cause we've got three shows in Toronto. So we have a rehearsal day tomorrow oh, nice. and we, all, we have to figure out like how we're going to structure the set, you know, cause obviously chant is like 42 minutes or something. Yeah. So I don't know if we're going to play it and then go off stage and then come back for act two, or if we're going to, use those songs as like a transition point to go, go into a sort of greatest hits coda yeah. or if we'll be like eh, just relearning champ is hard enough we're not learning other songs as well uh that'll that'll evolve again by the time you get to omaha we should have a clearer sound one way or the other but we'll see awesome well yeah that should be really fun um those shows are always interesting especially for i'm sure for you guys the band because there's got to be i mean you know your first album every band always plays 8 million times because those are the only 12 songs that you know. Uh, uh-huh. you know. By the time you guys got to Champ, that was kind of middle of the pack as far as how many albums you guys released. So there's got to be some songs that maybe you played a few times or maybe never. Yes, that was the album. That was the first time during that album when we could pick and choose what we were going to play every night, which was felt like, because our, our songs were also all two minutes long up until that point. So like, we, we can barely fill an hour playing everything we do have. We can't, if we don't like playing a song, it's not too bad. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, Champ was the first one where we had the luxury of skipping stuff. But we have played every song on Champ pretty regularly and even the ones that we left for a while like right before the pandemic we were starting to come uh-huh. up again i guess kind of anticipating this tour so it's luckily it hasn't felt like okay i gotta sit down and practice six hours a day to relearn these things like they're they're still they still seem to be in the muscle memory banks which is encouraging that's good i uh i really like that record um just really fun when it came out you guys were on mom and pop it seemed like things were going really well for you guys so what was that like going in to make that album at the time 
well, it was certainly incredibly exciting. We were all, I want to say, like 23. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we, we had no, I now realize just how unaware we all were of like <laughs> how cool it was and how amazing it was to be doing that. We were just so focused on like, going to the next level, as we would say. Like, right. the whole idea was like, okay, here, we're going to sign to this, this big label. We're going to, you know, we're going to get the A&R guy to, to come in and meddle. Like, we're going to get on the radio. We're going to, like, make, you know, we'll be, we're going to be the Black Keys. We're going to be Death Cab for Cutie. Uh, yeah. And so there was a lot of that floating around the making of the record, which is, was new to us, you know, and we invited it. But it was also like, oh, you know, you, you once you uh, open that door and let that world in, it's, you can't pick and choose which parts of it you get. Right. So right. it was it was a pretty intense experience, just in terms of like what the stakes felt like they were, and I, because of that, and because we were so young, we weren't necessarily that. Like I looked back uh, on a bunch of footage we we shot. We got those like, old early digital flip cams. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. And to make the music video for Hundred Dollar Day, which was like the first unreleased champ song we put out with the anniversary mm-hmm. thing. I went back to all that footage and I was like, damn, we were having so much fun. What a ludicrous <laughs> thing for like four young men, basically still children, to be set loose in Los Angeles with like a, a bigger budget than we'd ever had before and certainly a bigger budget than we would ever see again. Uh, right on the cusp when it still felt like everything was possible. Not only that we could be big, but like being a big rock band was still something that was like a meaningful part of the zeitgeist. Right. Like it didn't. It wasn't much longer after 2010 when it became pretty clear that rock music was was not, you know, not <laughs> quite the, the main the main thing on everyone's mind anymore. Yeah. And so it's. I mean, this is this is life. You know, you you look back on your college days, you think you think the same thing. Like, oh damn, if only I'd realized how special that time was. But right. Yeah. Of course. And, of course, um, you can't you can't sit there trying to think of how special the time is. You just have to get on with it and experience it. So it was fun. And it was also way more fun than we even realized at the time. But maybe that's because we were too busy having the fun. <laughs> yeah. And you guys had a great producer in uh, uh, Rob Schnapp. On that yeah, record. Rob is a genius. He is, you know, and he's the right, he was the right genius for us. Because there's, there's plenty of genius producers. And producing bands is a very tricky and delicate thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and some people are really good at adjusting their approach and, and figuring out how to work with different bands and other people have an approach that, you know, that is their approach and you, you hire them for that approach. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And, you know, we, we've, we've had aborted attempts to work with, with various different producers over the years that simply just felt like, Oh, this is like the wrong mix of vibes at the wrong time. You know, like, yeah, this is like right. the, the, the spark didn't take time. And that's, it's astonishing that, that it ever works really. And we've done two albums with Rob and both times it was just like, this is the, the right guy for us. You know, this, this guy is like, he's just so no nonsense. He's so, he's done it all. You know, he's not impressed by anything at this point. <laughs> like just back in Elliot Smith in the nineties, right. like nothing, nothing we do is going to knock his head off. And that's great because we're also impressed by everything we do that we need someone there. <laughs> You was a little more measured about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he has like total, we trust, he has credibility, which is, oh, absolutely. You know, that's, that's done, an important thing a producer can have. He's done just about everything under the sun, style wise. So 
I mean, you guys, it just fits with what you guys do too. So what was it like uh, this time, you know, putting out the 10th anniversary version and kind of revisiting some of these old tracks and stuff. What was that like for you guys to go back and really listen to that? I'm sure some of these, you know, unreleased tracks, some of which I know you've played live and stuff a lot, but some maybe, I don't know, were just kind of laying around. Oh yeah. Well, something like hundred dollar day, which was the first mm-hmm. single in quotation marks. Uh, I hadn't even thought it out. I hadn't realized, I knew that we'd recorded it and I knew that we hadn't used it in the album. But I kind of thought that we finished it. Like, it mixed. It got cut really late. And then it's also just astonishing that in our content-starved economy, where all, you know, you can never put out enough stuff, right. that, we, that we had a finished song in the vault for 10 years, and we, <laughs> never, we never burned it on some stupid, you know, like, like label compilation or something. Like, we actually, yeah, we actually saved it like the time was right. That never happened. Yeah. Sorry, go on. Oh, no, I'm just saying it's really cool that you guys had an impressive amount of content. You guys had remixes from other people on there, too. Like, it was a really... Sometimes those re-releases, kind of like what you said, though, and the reason is not because, like, the band doesn't have anything. It's just, we put that out before, or we, you know, this was on a commercial, or we put it on our YouTube channel because we had nothing else to do. Um, There's not as much to mind, but you guys actually had a lot of stuff, and plus those remixes and stuff, it made for a really cool release. Thank you. I agree. We, we worked hard on it. And certainly some of those remixes, most of them had been floating around and there were like, you know, quote unquote, deluxe editions that somehow like wiggled their way onto DSPs without me really being aware of it. <laughs> but this was, this time we were deliberate about it. You know, we were, we, we, everything, we didn't just throw the whole kitchen sink in it. Like, okay, well, which remixes feel exciting and feel like new ways of looking at the song. And then how do we put those together with what unreleased, you know, hundred dollar day and then a demo of this and then a weird jam of that. And like, let's actually try and make something that you can listen to through and it feels vaguely coherent and also like an interesting corollary to the album. Mm-hmm. Uh, and certainly for me, it, it ticks all those boxes. I mean, you put stuff on the internet now and you got to just, uh, hope that anybody presses play and listens to it all the way through. You know, mo- most people experience right. it on like uh, like indie rock good times playlist or whatever. But that's just the world we live in. Yeah, definitely. It's it's well, it, it's so interesting to think about when Champ was released initially and what's going on now and how I don't know. Everything in 2010 felt like it was all changing. <laughs> I feel like it's we've done a whole other revolution since then. Little did we know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, the first week sales of Champ were like a big concern. You know, everyone was like, <laughs> we're gonna, we got to see what kind of numbers this album. We used to know how many copies our album had sold week by week. Like that's, that's and that wasn't even that long ago. And it, yeah. it feels like I'm talking about like 1926. And I bet, I bet you could go look at how many copies it sold in the first week and how many copies of an actual album would be sold this week. And like Champ could be the number one album right now if it were released today. <laughs> I don't honestly <laughs> maybe true. Yeah. Is it just so, uh, you know, so different? It's, it's so different. Yeah. You just, but, and I mean, it, in a sense, that's freeing. You know, it, it wasn't fun to oh, know yeah. about that. It was because there was just this, this, now it's a little blurrier. You know, you put, we put Champ. And there was a very clear metric on like, is it living up to everyone's lofty expectations? 
So the, and the answer was no. And so we, instead of noticing, like it was our most successful record, it probably still is. It was our our biggest touring we've ever done. But instead of being excited about all that stuff, we were just looking at the sound scan numbers and being disappointed and having like urgent meetings about how to get the song to like work on more radio stations so that we had a fighting chance that like reaching the blast ring that we decided we needed to reach. Yeah. And so as much as I making the album was fun and I'm like, Oh, that was, you know, I, I could have, you know, maybe I could have realized it was even more fun than I thought it was. Maybe I couldn't have, but the touring of it and the sort of like post album year, those are the ones where I'm like, damn, I really wish that we hadn't been so hard on ourselves and so focused on the, the business goals and the industry, you know, below. Because right. things were going so well by any metric except the one metric that we set for ourselves. And that was the only thing that we could see around everything else out. So yeah. in that sense, getting, getting to do this tour and to sort of like take a victory lap on champ, for me at least feels like, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of a second chance to embrace it and and take and have some fun with it and like you know indulge myself rather than banging my head against a wall. Absolutely, that's what I was going to ask. Was if this feels like a chance to kind of redo in the sense of hey, let's go do this tour, this album, and have fun, and <laughs> not worry quite so much about it. Yeah, it's like and it's beautiful because <laughs> it's not critically, it is not a chance to like now champ will be as successful as it always should have been. It's like, now I can just vibe with these kid-ass songs like I always should have done. And, you know, whether or not it is successful is not even measurable anymore. We'll we'll go to these venues and the people that come will be a self-selecting group of people who love champ. You know, like, what, what could be better than that? Like throwing yourself a birthday party every night. (laughs) Totally. You cannot go wrong there. (laughs) You cannot go wrong there. So yeah, that's I, this is exciting. It'll be really fun um, to see you guys play those songs. Uh, but of course, I always have to ask the question that everyone in my position asks: is if you've been working on anything new uh, that we'll be seeing anytime soon? Uh, it's too soon to say with any sure. certainty. But we have now. Last time we had a gig, we we booked a rehearsal space the day after the gig and a few hours of banging around on a few new tunes and it went super well uh recording top five even though that's not a new song right it's like a really easy fun process that we, we did here in toronto with the same producer in the same studio that me and dave did our solo records at so oh that's like fun. There yeah. is sort of like there's like a system that right now is really productive and exciting and like we see i mean this could all go completely off the rails tomorrow but from where I stand right now, it seems like we're working in a way that's like fast, but also totally. fun. And that's you know, we've done it before. The harder part to lock down than just oh, the like, actual. Song. And we've we've been now. Everyone lives in different cities, and it's like you know, it's yeah. not always easy to get everyone together to do a, a week of writing. So in the past, we've tried to be like efficient and either be able to work remotely or work fast and work together. And it's always ended up feeling kind of bloodless and even when we sort of we've got the songs done but it's like oh well we had to work fast so we didn't get to work fun but now it feels like we have all of the skills together so we can have a good time be like make something that's honest and and feels like exciting and and cap like you know like it feels like it captures what we're all trying to do creatively and also it doesn't take us four weeks to pin the damn thing now so yeah hopefully that means that we'll be able to start turning some stuff out you know, 
obviously not before or during this tour, but at, sure. at some point sooner than later. But then again, like I say, we could, the next time we get together to write, we could decide we're going to hit A and it's going to take us five years to synthesize it. I, I hope not, but never say never. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's awesome, Graham. Um, well, let's see. I think that's most of the stuff I want to talk about. Like I said, I'm excited to see you guys. Uh, it's been a while. And in fact, the last time I think I saw you guys live was actually in South by Southwest. It was not in Omaha. So. <laughs> oh, wow. Which, which year, man? I don't know because they all sort of blur together. Um, last time we did it was 2016. Might have been then. I might have actually might have been, been here, and you guys came through Omaha, and I, and I saw you in Texas instead. But that's how those things. It's go. possible. <laughs> uh, well, we're stoked to come back to Omaha. We're still we're doing the front room of the slowdown this time, which yeah. we've never done before, and feels like really is way more where we're at right now uh, in terms of just like where we're comfortable, what kind of like rock vibes we're exuding. So audience is just right there and it gets for a really intimate, really exciting performance space because um, you're just so close to everybody. It's really great. Yeah. We haven't had like our Omaha show yet. You know, there's no, there's no one that I can think back to like, damn, the bar is that high. We gotta, we gotta (laughs) be like the, the classic 2011 Omaha show. Yeah. So I feel like this, this is, this is an opportunity to, this is it. To, yeah, to finally carve our name properly into the the rock of legend. <laughs> I love it. The rock of legend of rock. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, thanks, Graham, so much for doing this with me. I, I appreciate it. Um, it's absolutely my pleasure. Th- thank you for, for taking the time. And yeah. yeah, I can't wait to see you at the show. Thanks for listening to my talk with Graham Wright from Tokyo Police Club. Head to their website, tokyopoliceclub.com, for tour dates and ticket information for their Champ 10th Anniversary Tour. That tour runs through November 20th, and it includes a stop at Slowdown here in Omaha on October 28th. Find show information and get tickets to that one at theslowdown.com. Subscribe to the Pops and Hisses podcast on your favorite podcast app, or head to popsandhisses.com, where you can find the podcast, more music news, reviews, interviews, and of course, more podcast episodes. I'm your host, Kevin Coffey, and you can follow me on Twitter as at Omaha Music Guy, or find my page on Facebook by searching for my name, Kevin Coffey. Thank you to Herd at Media for producing the show and find lots more of our podcasts at herdatmedia.com slash network. That's H-U-R-R-D-A-T media.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time. A Herd at Media production.